Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back, Maximum Octane. It is time for your newest episode with your host, Kim Hickey. Joining me today, I'm very excited because I'm still on location in Fajardo. One one of these weeks before we go, I'll get the, the, the name right, how to say it. And uh, so it's pretty exciting. And joining me is Mr. Eric Jorn, and he is certified in a lot of things, CPA, Profit First Certified, yep. and you are with Kaizen. Yep, Kaizen CPAs and Advisors. Okay. And so people have a million questions for accountants, and some of them, and not, they're not so exciting. Are you more... <laughs> You seem to have more of a personality than a lot of CPAs that I talk to. Yeah, I appreciate that. Do so you have to go to personality school? Like for the rest of the people have to go to accounting school? Do do CPAs have to go to like personality and fun school? A little bit, a little bit. I have a, a little bit of a different background. So I was actually a service advisor in the dealer world for five years before becoming a CPA. Wow. All right. What made you make that switch? Uh, so the, it started as a college job. I was a porter at a dealership and one crazy day, a service advisor grabbed me by the shirt and they said, I need you to go sell this, this job. And I looked down on the ticket, it's a water pump. This time I really didn't know what a water pump was. So I walked up to somebody and I said, Hey, um, this is what your car needs. Uh, there's going to be a problem if it doesn't, if we don't have it replaced today. And, uh, and then they asked me, what does it do? And I said, Pretty sure it pumps water. Oh. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was so scared. But after that, it kind of ripped the Band-Aid off. They kind of worked me in. I learned a lot about writing service, how to measure things like gross profit, average hours per hour, average RO, car count, all these different little mechanics behind it. Ultimately, while I was going to college, I thought I was going to jump into the and go work for Toyota Corporate and become a district parts and service manager. Okay. Uh, but that would have involved moving to Torrance, California, and I wasn't really into that idea. So I decided to just continue with school, continue with the dealer. And then once I graduated, I wanted to hop into accounting. I tried the traditional accounting route, and I said, this is not for me. I need to work with people. So then I hopped into a or into the public accounting space where I'm dealing with clients on a regular basis. And I'm still in that advisor role just from the financial standpoint instead of from the vehicle standpoint. And I think that really is what makes it easy for me to have conversations and, I guess, stand out a little bit differently from most accountants. 
Okay, awesome. And and don't worry, at the end, uh, we're going to give some information on where they're located and all of that. And also there'll be links that you can reach out. So what are some of the things that people should be looking for when they're choosing a CPA? Because we see a lot of horrible <laughs> financial statements and things come in when we take new members on. And it's really unfortunate because a lot of them say, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I turn everything over to my accountant. I turn everything over and, and they're supposed to be looking at stuff and they never ask me about that. Or And it's such glaring, obvious things for when you look at it, it's like there's, you know, twenty five thousand or fifty thousand dollars and ask my accountant and they're like, <laughs> what's in there. And they're like, I don't know. My accountant put it in there. So oh. what do, what do they look for? Yeah, so I think the, the main thing is there needs to be very clear channels of communication between you and a CPA that you're going to work with. So before you even start working with them, it's very important to say, I have some expectations, especially if you're with a program like ATI, right? We need those financial statements because your coaches depend on the good, accurate financial data to coach the shop members. So start with number one, I need that financial statement in the right format every single month. I need my sales tax paid, I need payroll handled, and I need my tax returns filed. And we need to make sure we're meeting and talking about, hey, what might, what might my tax obligation be come tax season? Is there anything we can do to reduce it while still making good business decisions? Because that, to me, is very important. Because what happens a lot of times is accountants are very, obviously, the number one thing we're worried about is getting the tax returns done and filed on time. And generally, you'll see those financial statements geared in a way to file a tax return, not help a shop owner measure things like gross profit, uh, what's my return on, say, marketing or uh, occupancy costs and things like that. Uh, it's more geared towards getting that tax return filed. And you're kind of missing the boat there if that's if that's the route you're going. The other thing I see oftentimes is a new shop owner will try to bootstrap as much as they can. And that's where things can get very dangerous because you get into the world of payroll and paying employees. And payroll tax is very important to be in compliance with because the penalties are severe and it's actually can get you into the criminal realm of, of, of penalties and persecution because payroll taxes are money that you're taking from your employees and you're supposed to remit to the government. So a lot of them want to use, you know, you'll sign up for QuickBooks and you'll try to DIY it, or maybe you're writing hand checks and then you'll figure out the taxes later. Right. And I'll submit it. And it, Payroll oftentimes becomes like an afterthought, right? It's, hey, get the money in the employee's hands and we'll figure everything else out later. But what we see then is things fall through the cracks, balls get dropped. All of a sudden, we have the big growing liability, and it's very scary. And I think when a shop owner gets into that mindset, they tend to shy away from it and get a little bit nervous and scared to address it. So they kind of ignore it for a while, and then it grows and grows and grows. So one of the key things is attack those problems, right? You got to eat that frog. You got to address the big, big thing that you have out there. Everything is fixable. It just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of commitment, a little bit of effort. Um, so don't be too scared about it, but you need to take things like payroll seriously. So we actually, as a firm, we do full service payroll where we take that whole thing off the shop owner's plates because we need to focus on running your shop, not entering hours and paying tax deposits and doing things like that as a shop owner. 
Well, for small business owners and even in, not in the automotive sector, that's just such a nightmare for everybody's payroll and then who's paying the taxes and who's doing quarterlies and who's doing, like you said, sales tax. And sometimes it's so disjointed and disconnected because people have one person doing one thing, another person doing another thing, they're doing payroll there. And it's a big circle of mess. And then one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. And they assume, well, I thought my accountant was doing that. And the accountant is like, no, that's not part of, if you're doing your payroll yourself, you have to do your taxes. And it's such a big disconnect. And so what, can you talk a little bit about a difference between an accountant and a CPA? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I, I like to look at it as you have inside accounting and outside accounting. So inside accounting is going to be the person that gets all the data into the accounting system, right? Maybe they're paying your bills, they're making the deposits, they're making sure the deposits match back to that shop management system where you're logging all your sales and your payment methods. Uh, and they're probably coding some of the transactions. They might even be doing the bank recs. Now, the CPA's job is to come in and make sure that that financial statement is actually in a financial statement manner, right? So there's nothing in the ask my accountant field. Oh, you just wouldn't believe what you see in there. Sometimes it's even higher, but yeah, fifty thousand. That would that would make me a little bit nervous, but uh, yeah, it's the the job. So the job of that CPA is to make sure you have that good, readable financial statement, and that you can understand what's happening in that financial statement, and especially trying to draw the line of, hey, if I have this type of transaction in the shop, and maybe it's a, you know, hey, I have a warranty repair, or I have a comeback. How does that then filter down into the financial statement so they can understand on how to handle that on both ends? Because it's really important for them to understand the workings behind it. They don't have to do the work. They just need to understand what's happening. And now those two, that accountant role and that CPA role are often two different people. One is probably somebody working in your shop, maybe an office manager, or maybe you call them your internal bookkeeper. We see, yeah, we see bookkeeper. People have bookkeepers, accountants, and then, of course, CPAs. Yep. And they really don't understand the difference. And so I wanted for sure to clarify that. Let's talk about inventory for a minute because there's so many people. And I've even had some of my friends have asked me with different businesses, can you get a look at our you know, financial statement? And they'll have... $600,000, $800,000 in inventory on the books. Yikes. And then I, I say, like, I've been in your hat store or your, oh, by the way, we had a hat contest last night. So if you're wondering what all these hats are for, they're all over. I've been in your hat. You can't have $20,000 worth of your hat store. You can't have $20,000 or some of the shops, you know, 15000 20000 because the parts are on demand now. People don't keep inventory. Yeah. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And they're like, I don't know. My accountant, you know, put stuff in there. And what I see a lot is people buy things and then they put it to inventory, but then when they sell it, they don't take it out of inventory and put it cost of goods. But why don't their dang CPAs and accountants say to them, how the heck are you having $800,000 in inventory? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think, again, it's, it's largely a disconnect. Part of it might just not be understanding the industry very well, right? So they should know, hey, most shops don't carry a lot of inventory. If you do, Maybe your entire shop, and we have a high inventory number just because they're higher in cost. But generally, it should be pretty small. And if you're using your shop management system right, you should be pulling all your direct costs from inventory based on what is logged on each ticket from that shop management system. 
do you? Because I am not an accountant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I took some classes, but I am not an accountant. <laughs> I, <think it'd> <laughs> I do watch a lot of them on TV. I like I like all those legal and accounting and forensic shows, forensic accounting. But I don't. I just don't understand. And I think many of our our members and just small business owners don't understand that even if you don't understand the business, if you see inventory increasing by hundreds of thousands of dollars every year or something crazy like the marketing went up $200,000 or, or anything of a big jump that is it do most CPAs just don't look at that and say, Hey, Eric, this looks like there's a big increase this year. What, what's going on? Like, or is that too much to ask for them to do that? Yeah. I mean, assuming that again, clear expectations up front. If you're the only one working with your client. Yeah. And their numbers just start going wonky or something really sticks out. Is should should the client assume that you're gonna look and ask questions? Absolutely. And okay. we do. I mean, even if you even if you're just coming in the door with a completed financial statement and say, hey, prepare my tax return. Right. If we see things that aren't within what we expect for industry norms, we're gonna stop and we're gonna ask you about it. But and actually most business owners don't like this we ask a lot of questions, but it's very important. Right. And you bring up a very good point with inventory. If things are just getting logged in there, you're not asking, hey, is this really an accurate inventory number? Do you really have this amount on hand? We could actually be overstating profits and you're paying too much in tax. And that's just one problem. The other problem is now you're trying to operate your business on bad financials. And without good financials, it's really hard to operate your business well. It is. And it's a shame that most business, small business owners can't. Use they don't use their PL as a tool because they don't understand it or they don't know what is in any of the accounts. And it's like when we go through with them, I'm, when I start asking questions, what's in here, what's in here, that like I don't know, I don't know. And it's like, this is your financial statement, this is your money, this is your business. You need to know. You don't have to be an accountant, but yeah. you should know what are they coding to marketing or were they coding to vehicle repairs or whatever. So here's a pet peeve of mine. I hate. I'm telling you, it makes me crazy. Everybody I talk to comes December 31st, they're out buying cars or a tractor or just nonsense because their account said they got to spend $20,000 or $30,000 or $50,000, whatever the amount is, or they got to pay taxes on it. So one, that anybody runs out on the last day of the year to make a major purchase is just foolish because you're doing it on emotion and you're not researching whatever. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't think that the people they're working with, and we'll just call them accounts because that's what they say my account told me, that they, that the accounts explain to them that if you know you go out and buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff, you're not getting saving a hundred thousand dollars on your taxes. Like it's it's not a one for one. And, and many times they're better off not making that huge purchase and just paying the tax and then keeping the rest of the money in the bank. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge pet peeve of mine. Good. Uh, and we, we can be friends. We can definitely be friends because my principles of tax planning are make good business decisions first and we'll figure out how to make those as tax optimized as possible. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you want to hang on to cash, if you need to build reserves, you want to take money out to spend personally, you're going to have to pay tax. The only way to avoid tax is to spend the money. And unless you have excess money to spend, you know, the tax rates, especially right now, are very reasonable. I would take advantage of that and I would 
build my cash, take these next few years, continue to build cash reserves and build that extra cushion and foundation in your business. Because my prediction, tax rates are going to go up. Oof. When and do you think that's going to happen? Right now, uh, in 2026, the a lot of the provisions that are in place right now are expected to end at the end of 25, 2025. One of the big ones is the qualified business income deduction. And that's a 20% deduction against any profit that passes through if you're a partnership or an S-corp or a, a sole proprietor. And that's a, that's a big deduction. It's essentially a 20% haircut on whatever your tax rate is. Um, and tax brackets are pretty low. I mean, most shop owners aren't going to exceed the 22 to 24% tax bracket before that deduction. And you, you might be paying effective tax rates of 10 to 15% on average right now. That's really cheap cash, in my opinion. And the hard part is disconnecting from the flat dollar amount, right? Say you had $100,000 in profit and you're going to owe 15 grand in tax, right? I have to write a 15 grand check. That's stressful as a business owner. But 15% of tax rate is really low. And actually, that's one of the things, one of the reasons I started getting interested in becoming Profit First certified was they had that they have a reserve account for taxes and it kind yep. of takes that sting out of it. We love profit first. You know, it's, we just love it. It's amazing. Most accountants hate profit first. We're finding that out. We're finding <laughs> that out when we work with our members and we get them on profit first and the accountants don't want to deal with extra bank accounts and they don't want to do whatever. And somehow they prefer to say, go spend a hundred thousand dollars on December 31st. And it just makes me crazy because certainly I know there are ways that throughout the year to look at, and you have to pay taxes. And I think sometimes accountants get people so in the mindset of, we got to do this, save tax. We got to do that, save, you know, go do this, save taxes. And they're giving foolish advice because people are spending money on things that they don't need just to save on a few dollars of taxes. Like if you're making money and you're making the kind of money that requires you to pay taxes, be thankful and be happy that you're running your business so well and put the money away so that you have it, put it away every week so that you have it and don't do that. It's just wasteful to buy a bunch of things that you don't need. It's just, it's just wasteful. How about, here's another one of my pet peeves when I see financials, equipment. I don't know why, but people just, you know, they write a check, they expense it to something. It doesn't ever go in, you know, the equipment category as an asset or any of that stuff. And especially when people buy things on payments and mm -hmm. somehow their accountant never picks up on, they're making this payment to, I'm going to just make something up, snap on or whatever every week. And they're not saying, hey, was this something big you bought mm -hmm. that you're making payments on? Or what tool could you possibly buy, be buying for $15 a week? So, <laughs> you know, they, there's there is anybody looking. So what's the for equipment? Because I don't want to say what I think it is mm -hmm. because I don't want to give any kind of accounting advice, but <laughs> if somebody purchases something, what dollar amount is it typically equipment versus like shop hand tools or an expense? Definitely. So again, here comes a tax versus accounting concept. The IRS allows you to, 
expense anything under 2500 assuming you've adopted that capitalization policy which just means hey this is what i'm going to move to the balance sheet depreciate over time versus what i'm going to expense today so $2,500 is the IRS's threshold. You can set that policy to whatever you want, but now you have it. Now you have a distinction here, right? More tax benefit to immediately expense and write off stuff versus depreciated over time. Now there's ability to accelerate through Section 179 and bonus depreciation, and those rules are actually constantly in a flux. And some states don't recognize it; some states do, and it gets really complicated. So it is convenient to just expense those if they fall under that. If it's under 2,500. If it's under 2,500, I generally also look at it like, so say I buy a computer, right? And it costs me a thousand dollars. Well, that computer is pretty much worthless the day that you, you plug oh it in God, your own. They're outdated <laughs> you in can't, five minutes. Exactly. So they really don't carry a long-term value over one year. Now you buy a $30,000 snap-on toolbox. That thing is, should last you 50 years. And technically only depreciated over seven based on IRS guidelines. But the other thing that you bring up is those payments, right? And there's a little, sometimes there's some disconnect there, but it's very important and it's good to have that open channel of communication. Hey, I went out and I financed this piece of equipment and then it should be, you know, you need to move that to the balance sheet. You need to have that liability on there too. So, you know, Hey, I, you know, I might be writing the $15 a week check to snap on, but I got $10,000 balance with them. And if that's not on my balance sheet, I don't know what my liabilities are. And then it's very hard to make good business decisions without knowing what you have outstanding. It, it really is. And, that, you know, to circle that back to the, the, your financial statement, your balance sheet, all of those things are, are just a wonderful tool to use for the business. But if you don't know anything that's on there or is inaccurate, it's, it's just it's garbage. Yeah. It's just garbage. It's really hard for a small business owner to find the time to devote to it. It's, and it's not just time, but it's discipline, right? And what are you going to take care of? Are you going to look at your financial statement? Or, you know, I, I think one of the speakers today said, you know, maybe you broke, so a technician broke a, a spark plug off and you're worried it's going to fall into the cylinder. I mean, that's a fire, right? And you want to go put out that fire. But you need the discipline. You need to sit down. You need to put that time on your calendar at least once a month. Give it 15 minutes a month. Just, just look at it, right? If you don't understand it, add another 15 minutes and say, I'm going to call my accountant. He's going to walk me through what's going on on here. And now it's 30 minutes a month. If you can't find 30 minutes a month to devote to that, and it will make you a better business owner at the end of the day. If you can't find somebody to do that, you better hire somebody to do it for you and sit in there or hire somebody to do 30 minutes of your job a day to do it. I Here's another one that I see a lot. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, credit credit card. Let's just say they have a Chase card. So when their expenses, they have an account called Chase credit card. <laughs> and so when they make their payments to their car, yeah. they just put it in there, but they don't ever expense or allocate or put wherever needs to be the the purchase. So they, they're not like, okay, I bought a tool yeah. and I'm going to put that into the tool account and then I'm going to put, you know, into the liability. So they just... Am I correct that there, there should not be an expense <laughs> called Chase credit card or Amex or whatever, because that is not a thing you're buying or paying for. That's you're paying for something else that needs to get put somewhere else. 
Absolutely. Stop it. Stop. Stop doing these things. Makes us crazy. <laughs> I know it's easier to do it that way, but it's wrong on two fronts. Oh right? my gosh. Split it out like you talked about. Right? You might have ten different items that need to go in ten different categories on that from that credit card payment. But remember, you're paying your credit card bill like for the month after you make that purchase, you make that swipe. Now we have a matching issue, right? So I might have an expense that I had to pay to generate revenue last month. I don't pay the bill until this month. And that's when you see those P&Ls where profit numbers are up and down and up and down. And that's because you don't think about how do I, am I making sure to match my expenses and my revenue at the same time? Because you want to know how much is it costing me to generate this revenue and how much profit am I actually getting from the work we're doing? And that's where a lot of times you're missing the boat. There's a lot of boats missed. <laughs> There's a lot of boats missed. So what other things should people look for when they're looking for somebody to partner with for account? Because this is a huge thing. I mean, a, a good CPA can make or break, you know, like a bad one. It, it It's very crucial. I, I have had so many people that I've met over the years that are like, my accountant never told me I had to do this or that. And they're in serious tax trouble. And, and then of course the accountant isn't anywhere to be found, mm-hmm. you know, and listen, there's a lot of wonderful accountants out there and I'm not saying there's not, but unfortunately a lot of the ones we see when I hear about it, it's because somebody's <laughs> usually in some kind of a trouble. Right. And yeah. so I know there are fabulous ones out there. And so I'm not trying to give a you know bad rep to accountants, and because it, ultimately it it falls on the business owner for not asking questions and not paying attention. I mean that's it's your business, it's your life, it's your money. You need to be in control of it and not just be powerless to you don't know anything that's going on because your accountant has to or your bookkeeper or your whoever. It's it's yours. So. That's such a good point, right? At the end of the day, you're paying those tax bills. You're paying those penalties and interest. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure you're understanding what's happening. That's so important. But from working with an accountant, right, here's here's what the normal progression I see. You start off as an employee maybe at the shop, and you're having somebody do your personal tax return. And then you decide, I'm going to open a business. And then you say, hey, tax accountant, can you do my business tax return? And they said, sure. And then they get your stuff at the end of the year and they said, oh, right, we got to do the bookkeeping on this for the whole year. Or maybe you're doing it yourself in QuickBooks. So then they do, so then they put the books together and they file a tax return. And then nobody says, hey, you didn't pay sales tax or you didn't pay your payroll taxes because there's just that missing relationship. And that accountant might be a great individual tax repairer and they could do a really good job preparing your business tax return, but that doesn't mean they're a small business expert, right? They might not work primarily with small businesses. And there's a lot of nuances between sales tax, payroll tax, income tax, general finance. I mean, if you, maybe I want to go buy a second location. How do I structure that transaction? How do I, if I want to buy the real estate, what should I, how should I handle that? I mean, there's all these things that happen and they own the tax side ends up becoming an afterthought and the accounting side becomes an afterthought. And if you're not with the right partner, and especially if it's somebody that's just handling your taxes. I mean, with, with buying property, with anything. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Whatever they're telling me, that's just crazy. They're like, well, my bookkeeper said, right. Comes out. I'm like, no, you need to go 
talk to another one, get another opinion, interview. I mean, do you mind when somebody wants to interview you to make sure you're going to be a good fit or is that something you recommend that people should do? Oh, definitely. I mean, and at the same time, we, we actually go through an interview process ourselves before we let a client in the door, right? Because we want to make sure our relationships are successful. So we want to make sure that they're comfortable with us and we want to make sure we're comfortable with them, that they're going to be somebody that wants to be participative. I, we don't want to work with business owners who want to just send us everything at the end of the year and file a tax return because we know what happens when that happens. You don't like getting a shoebox of the year. <laughs> Nobody likes a shoebox of receipts. And that's, it's just a dangerous way to operate. You know, you end up dealing with surprise tax bills. I don't like delivering those new, that news. I want taxi, I want your tax return filing to be just a formality, not an event. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me today. What's final words or advice, or if you want to leave our members and viewers with like one last thing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So most people get so overwhelmed by the all these things, you know, profit first is one of them, right? There's all these accounts, all this work to do. You know, even with your, maybe you got that, you got a payroll tax issue, you got a sales tax issue, you're grossly way behind. Maybe just take one little step and improve that one little thing and keep doing that little by little. And eventually you'll get there. You just need to be a little patient and put in a little bit of extra work each time. It will compound, it will get better. You can get over it, but you have to address it. You have to start. If you don't start, you'll never get anywhere. Great advice. And also don't lie to your accountants because I know some of you do that and you say, oh no, I didn't tell my accountant because they're going to yell at me. And I'm like, they're the only ones that can help you right now. Like you have to be honest. So I love that. <laughs> how many locations do you have? Yeah. So we have five locations primarily in the Chicagoland area and Southern Wisconsin. Okay. So can you service clients outside of those two States? Are you licensed or whatever yeah. or another? Yeah. We work with shops anywhere from LA to New Hampshire, down to Florida, all over the country. Okay. Is it any small business or just automotive shops, repair yeah. shops? So uh, we have multiple partners within the firm. I run our automotive specialty. We have another partner that's uh, real estate, medical, and then just general, any type of business. And that helps because a lot of shop owners either have other businesses or maybe their spouse owns a business. And if you, if, you can't, if you can't understand all the different aspects, you might have some gaps there. Okay. So I would recommend everybody call Eric and check it out and just see because it doesn't hurt anything. And right now, if they mention the podcast, want to tell them what you're giving them? Yeah, definitely. So when a new client signs up for uh, with us, we go through a very stringent onboarding process where we're going to evaluate your QuickBooks, your tax situation. We're going to teach you how to make sure that you're doing things correctly in the QuickBooks. You're going to learn and understand your financials, and we're going to get your all your financials up to date in the right place. And we're going to set up those processes for that. So normally we charge an onboarding fee for that. If you listen to this podcast, mention it when you contact us. We'll give you 50% off that cost. Perfect. Perfect. 
Well, thank you so much. This thank was you. very informative. And I see we're going to be really good friends because you have the same pet peeves <laughs> I, I do. I love this podcast. <laughs> I like talking about pet peeves and especially oh my what gosh. people can learn from it. Oh, I know. And, you know, it's just unfortunate because with anything, whether you get a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, a technician, people just assume that they are an expert and, you know, are have great values and know everything and are going to educate you and they trust just at face value and you have to ask questions it's the end of the day it is you your mind your body your financials your business ask questions don't take anybody's thing just as gospel for lack of any better way to say it so all right everybody stay safe make good choices and stay inspired and i will be back next week thank you thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.